Doing the impossible is not something you make happen. It's something that you allow to happen. After conducting over 10,000 personal and group coaching sessions over the last decade, author and personal coach Jason Dries has unlocked the simple yet effective formula to accept and create success in your life on the most basic, instinctive level. In his latest book, Do the Impossible, Jason gives readers access to the same life-changing principles he provides in his personal coaching sessions. Ready to embrace success as a state of being? In this exclusive listener offer, get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off from the publishers at Bigger Pockets. To get your copy of Do the Impossible for 50% off any format, go to www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. That's 50% off any format, www.biggerpockets.com impossible50. But I will say, I think there is a generational divide with faith in institutions. I think uh, the governor believes in certain strength of, of the American brand, American morality, and American institutions. And I think my generation and definitely the generation below me uh, doesn't have that faith. I think they've been around long enough where they don't, they don't see it as taking care of the issues that they have. And they don't think um, politics, politics moves as fast as the generations do. Welcome to On Brand with Donnie Deutsch. I am Donnie Deutsch, and this is the podcast dedicated to a simple premise that everything today is a brand. Uh, Every person, every celebrity, every athlete, every movement, every religion, every political party, everything today is a brand. The brand is a set of values, and that's what we focus on on the show. And we do two two things on the show. First, we talk to um, people about their own personal brands, big names, and we've got two two great, two for the price of one this week. Um, Former Governor uh, John Kasich from Ohio and Jordan Klepper from The Daily Show, they have a podcast together called Kasich and Klepper that kind of breaks down politics and pop culture and music and everything like that. And they're just incredibly engaging. Kasich is one of the rare, rational GOP voices. And Jordan Klepper does all those great man-on-the-street interviews with Trump voters at Trump rallies for um, Daily Show and just super bright, super, super funny guy. So the two of them together are great. We'll get to them. But first, we do our brands of the week. Uh, and those are the brands that are shaping the zeitgeist, driving the country or driving the world in the directions that we're in. Let's get right to it. Our first brand of the week is NATO. You know, they boosted, they boosted the defenses in Europe last week, uh, saying it's the gravest threat to security in decades. And NATO's working. You know, it's been, you know, we, we, there are so many different I mean, world organizations and, and uh, world, you know, uh, unity groups. And you kind of question, uh, do they work? Do they stick? Do they hold together? But NATO as a, as a group of countries coming together, bandying against uh, Russia and, you know, standing behind Ukraine in every possible way uh, makes you feel good. So, I mean, there's not a lot to feel good about with what's going on in Ukraine, but NATO, you've got to give them uh, high points. It's, it's uh, been, you, you couldn't, NATO couldn't be more unified than, than they are, and it, it's, they've got to give them thumbs up. You got to give a, a brand down to Biden, not because he necessarily deserves it, because what the polls are saying. So I'm going to say more of the what Biden communication versus Biden himself, because as far as I'm concerned, he's doing everything right you can do when it comes to Ukraine and Russia, short of starting World War III, which would not be the right thing to do. Uh, the, the sanctions have been tough. Uh, I think he's all of his speeches has been right. I think his trip last week was was well-received. Yet just 30, 43% of Americans approve of Biden and similar percentage approve of his handling of the relationship with Russia. So less than half the people think he's doing a good job when it comes to Russia. And here's an interesting thing. A majority of Americans, 56%, think he hasn't been tough enough on Russia. And I challenge those Americans 
well, what would you do at this point? Would you invade Russia? What, what do you think we should do at this point? And I don't think nuclear war should be an option. And a Reuters poll showed his approval rating fell to a new low of 40% this week. Emerson College poll finds 39% blame the Biden administration for high gas prices and 21% blame those sanctions on Russia and 18% blame gas and oil companies. Uh, but it seems as if Biden's numbers are not strong, which is counterintuitive. Usually during a world crisis, it, it unites a country and... Uh, but by not scoring points uh, for whatever reason. Huge brand up for David Beckham. David handed over his Instagram with 71.6 million followers to a Ukrainian doctor um, in an effort to raise funds for children in Ukraine through UNICEF. The doctor identified as Irina Kondratova shared several videos from her hospital in Kharkiv. Uh, Kharkiv has seen violent shelling by Kharkiv, uh, by Russia since the beginning of the conflict. Um, I've just pronounced, started to pronounce Kiev right, so I hope I have the right pronounce uh, of that city. I apologize if I don't. I should. It just, you know, what a, what a great use of social media. You know, we, we put down social media so much on this program and all of its ills, and then you have a great celebrity turning over 70 million of, of their followers uh, so a doctor can get the messages out about the atrocities and the needs uh, of what's going on with children and hospitals in Ukraine. Uh, brand up for same, similar reason, Mila Kunis and uh, Aston Kutcher. They've raised over $34 million for Ukraine aid. Um, they donated $3 million themselves. And since then, more than 65,000 donors have contributed to the campaign. So, you know, you, got, we, you take shots at celebrities and they sometimes deserve it. And then you got to give them kudos when they're doing it right. Same thing, I'm mentioning all these, these companies and people that are doing things for, for Ukraine. Fortnite has already raised $36 million for Ukraine relief. On Sunday, Epic Games released a new season of Fortnite. And with it, a promise that for two weeks, all the proceeds from the game will go towards humanitarian effort relief in Ukraine. Um, they've already raised $36 million. They're going to keep going. Uh, it's being donated to a handful of groups, United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, United Nations Children's Fund, World Food, Pro World Food Program. So give it up for them. And also let's give it up, a brand up for Milanova Bridal. Ukrainian bridal brand is making wedding gowns and army assault vests. It's a fashion brand known for its decadent wedding gowns, and now it's producing a tie for the country's soldiers and medical workers, Stockton Bridal Boutiques across 50 countries, including U.S., U.K., France, and China. Employees at Milanova have been working tirelessly over the last two weeks to fill in the international dress orders while also making these additional garments. So wedding gowns, assault vests, there you go. Oh, got to give it to Mila Nova Bridal. Huge brand down from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg. Um, he basically uh, decided he's not moving forward with a Trump, prosecuting, a Trump prosecution. And one of the two prosecutors who had been leading the Manhattan District Attorney's investigation in Trump and the Trump Organization said his resignation letter that he believed Trump was guilty of numerous felony violations. Mark Pomerantz, who's one of the top prosecutors ever, wrote to Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg in the letter he obtained by the, by the Times, Mr. Trump's financial statements were false. And he has a long history of fabricating information relating to his personal finances and lying about his assets to banks, the national media counterparties, and many others, including the American people. The team that Pomerantz went on to say, the team that has been investigating Mr. Trump harbors no doubt whether he committed crimes. I, I and others have advised you that we have evidence sufficient to establish Mr. Trump guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. We believe the prosecution would prevail if charges were brought. That matter would need, we're tried an impartial jury. So you wonder why did Brad, why is Bragg dropping this? Uh, where is he getting pressure from? And, and is it because high up Democrats believe this would be a weapon for Trump if they prosecute him and will give him a, a victim's bully pulpit? I, I don't know, but certainly disappointing news and huge brand down for uh, District Attorney Bragg. 
Huge brand up for Katanji Brown Jackson. Gotta love her. Gotta love the way she handled all those GOP goofballs uh, with poise, with class, with with wit, with smarts. Um, and it seems as a big, uh, no surprise, 58% of Americans say they support Jackson as Supreme Court justice. Uh, and on the flip side, huge brand down, um, Senator Lindsey Graham, Senator Ted Cruz, Senator Josh Hawley, just looking like bozos, uh, you know, ranging from Ted Cruz asking a, a question, uh, basically saying, uh, could Judge Action, could he identify as an Asian man for legal purposes? Yes, he actually asked that of uh, of, of Judge of Katanji Brown Jackson. Um, and... Lindsey Graham with his stomping out, you know, his little tantrums. And probably the, the biggest brand down goes to um, uh, Josh Hawley, uh, who put out complete falsehoods in his questioning about her leniency on child sex abuse and, and child porn. And it was just a fabrication. And there's no accountability for this. So these guys, and, and brand up to Ben Sass and Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, once again, speaking out, saying he's embarrassed on behalf of his uh, GOP partners. And Ben Sass with a good idea, saying maybe we shouldn't televise these hearings because it tends to bring out the worst and it, it forces them to put on a show. I still think it's better to televise them, but interesting point of view. Um, it just, you watch and you get nauseated. Okay, brand down for the SATs and the ACTs. Those are, of course, the standardized college entrance tests. Uh, California State University, the largest four-year university system, announced that the Board of Trustees voted to drop ACT and SAT testing requirements for admission requirements. They already set it up for the next year or two to not do it, but now they've just said in the, the quote from the acting chancellor, in essence, we're eliminating our, our reliance on a high-stress, high-stakes test that is showing negligible benefit in providing our applicants with greater opportunities to demonstrate their drive, talents, and potential for college success. I, as someone who just went through the process with, with my daughter, who's starting university in the fall, um, yeah, these tests, first of all, they're skewed to help privileged kids because of all the preparation courses and tests and tutors that you can take. And it shouldn't come down to a test. It's, it's just there's so many more ways to judge a kid. So I'm, I'm happy. It seems as if this is moving across a lot of universities and will continue so. Uh, brand down for Mayor Adams, New York City Mayor Adams. I've given him a few brand ups on the show. But for some reason, he's excusing New York City athletes and performers from the vaccine mandate. And his argument is it's better for the New York economy. Now, I didn't think there were that many performers or athletes that were sitting it out because of that. I mean, you know, you got Kyrie Irving on the Nets, and we're not, Nets are not going to sell one less ticket uh, if Kyrie Irving is there or not, if they're in the playoffs. Um, and I don't understand how you can make, um, you know, private workers and you can make, you know, city workers have to get a, a vaccine and rich multimillionaire athletes and entertainers not. I, I, I find that stunning. I'm not quite sure. Uh, I know his explanation, but I don't really, I don't buy it. Brand up. Well, it depends if you own, if you're buying or selling. If you're looking to sell a house, brand up for the housing market. If you're looking to buy a house, brand down for you because it's just going through the moon. Over the past 12 months, U.S. home prices are up 18.8%, uh, an uptick larger than any other 12-month period leading up to the 2008 housing crash. And on Wednesday, Zillow released its latest forecast predicting that the year-over-year -year rate of home price growth will hit 22% in May. Wow. You know, it's just, it's kind of, a, it's, are we hitting a bubble? And that's the scary thing. Is it getting to the point where it's just getting so crazy? I mean, you you know, the last two years, especially in certain areas, Miami doubling in two years and, and all kinds of stuff. So 
Uh, let's see where that goes. Uh, for buyers, it's nearly four times greater than the average annual rate of a home price growth of 4.6% posted since 1986. Brand up and, and God bless for electric cars. More Americans are buying electric vehicles. And on the flip side, gas car prices, are, gas car sales are falling. Uh, it seems a new report by the Alliance for Automotive Innovation, Innovation found that more than 187,000 electric vehicles were sold in the fourth quarter. Uh, in the U.S., marking an 11% increase. And at the same period, gas cars, gas-powered cars, are dropping 1.3%. So you see it happening. When when one group is going up by almost 12%, uh, and the other group is going down by a percent, and that's going to continue to kind of escalate in both directions uh, or de-escalate in one direction and escalate in another. Brand up for Mackenzie Scott and uh, uh, Habitat for Humanity. Um, she just donated. Uh, she's, of course, the ex-wife of Jeff Bezos, she donated $436 million to Habitat for Humanity. Um, and she's net worth about $49 billion. She's already given $12 billion away. She said that she's uh, going to give most of her money away. And you, you wonder, I know there's a lot of billionaires that have pledged, along with Bill Gates, to give 90% of their money away. Uh, yeah, you know, if you're worth $50 billion, you could certainly give 45 of it away, you know. After five billion, I think you covered. I think after you covered after a billion, I think you covered after hundred million. But, but you know these staggering numbers. Shame on any of them if they're not giving the large portion of these numbers that aren't even real anymore away. I mean, make their lives work work beyond what they've accomplished uh, in the area of commerce. Brand up for Al Michaels. Uh, I think he's like seventy seven. Yeah, he's seventy seven years old. Just signed a play by to be the play by play man for Amazon, which now has Thursday night football. Uh, it was only a matter of time before streaming got in on the NFL game and jacked up the rights for it for the other, for the broadcast TV guys. Um, following Joe Buck, who signed a five-year deal with ESPN. Um, so the NBC booth is going to be different. Al Tarico is taking over there. And Fox uh, has got to figure out their new booth. They lost both Tri Troy Aikman and um, uh, Joe Buck. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. I don't know if they've promoted the number... Um, Kevin Burkhardt is the number two guy who's a great, great play-by-play -play guy. I don't know if they made the official promotion of him yet. I don't know if that's happening. Brand up for Maury. Maury to end after three decades. NBC Universal confirms bittersweet retirement. Um, 33 years of Maury. Who knew it was even on <laughs> these crazy syndication shows? This is the second NBC Universal syndicated daytime program to call it quits this spring, joining Judge Jerry. So Maury's been an institution, Maury Povich. I think Maury's about 80. Um, it was launched in 1991. So good run for Maury Povich. Um, brand up for New York City cabs. New York City yellow cabs will finally run through Uber. Uh, Uber has announced it will list all New York City taxis, including the iconic yellow cabs, on its app starting later this spring. We'll reportedly add around 14,000 taxis to Uber's arsenal. So I guess if you want to order a yellow taxi and you want, you want that experience, you can get it on Uber now. And that's interesting stuff. Okay, here's one I found hard to believe. Pusha T, who's a rapper, who I don't know, but obviously somebody who's in, big in the rap community, teams up with Arby's to release McDonald's, a McDonald's diss track. So they're selling their, their fish sandwich and, and it says, filet fish is shit and you should be disgusted. That's one of the, one of the um, lyrics in the, in the rap song, in the uh, release, it's a track. It disses McDonald's, filet fish sandwich. How dare you sell a square fish asking us to trust it a half slice of cheese Mickey D's on a budget. Arby's crispy fish sandwich, crispy fish is simply it. With, with lines around the corner, we might need a guest list, exit stage left, the sandwiches taste fresh, little cube of fish from a clown is basic, he adds to the track. 
there you go. Uh, I don't know what to say about that, but we're gonna, I'm going to give him a brand down on that. I, I just, I don't think that's the way to do business, but I sound like an old fuddy-duddy. Um, brand up for cranberries. It seems research by a team at King's College London suggests cranberries have great health benefits for your heart. Scientists report eating 100 grams of cranberries per day contributes to particularly robust cardiac functioning in healthy men. So there you go. Brand up for cranberries, and those are our brands of the week. Let's get to our big brand interview with uh, two fantastic guests, former governor of Ohio, John Kasich, and uh, comedian from The Daily Show, Jordan Klepper, have a podcast, Kasich and Klepper. Uh, they cover pop culture. They cover politics. Uh, Klepper is one of the funniest guys around. Um, he just He's the guy on The Daily Show that does all the man on the streets with crazy Trump voters. And uh, Kasich is one of the last sane GOP voices out there. And the contrast between the two and, and the similarities are both interesting. So let's let's get right to my interview. I want to talk about Coda.io. Uh, if you're working from anywhere, working from home and not in the office, which is a huge, I don't want to say, you know, I want to say majority of people right now, uh, you need Coda.io. Um, with teams, when you got teams working all across the country, it's your best, if your best work is spread across documents and spreadsheets and a stack of workflow tools you have to jump in and out of all day, you need Coda. It's the doc that brings it all together. Coda is endlessly customizable and connected. There are templates for anything and everything, product roadmap, remote onboarding, OKR tracker, meeting notes. So very simply, all the documents, all the tools, all the things that are going on as you're working with people remotely, this brings it all into one place. It's an amazing, amazing uh, work tool. Uh, it adapts to growing teams and changing strategies. It can change how you view information depending on what you need to do with it. Everything in Coda is synced. Make an update in a table and it automatically shows up everywhere. No more relying on copy and paste to keep Lynchman products current. Your team can operate the same information and collaborate the way we all want to quickly and efficiently. I really want you to check out Coda.io. With Coda, you can solve for just about anything. And right now, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head over to Coda.io slash Donnie. That's Coda, C-O-D-A dot I-O slash Donnie to get started for free. Coda.io slash Donnie. I am thrilled at today's guests. We've got a duo, uh, an unlikely duo. And um, we have former former governor uh, of Ohio, great statesman, Mr. John Kasich, and brilliant uh, comedian, uh, one of the main folks on The Daily Show, Jordan Klepper. And they have a big new hit podcast, Kasich and Klepper. And it's... Uh, it's really refreshing because the premise of it is basically, you know what? Two people can disagree. They could be from different generations. They could be from different political parties. And they can talk about pop culture and life and even politics and maybe even do it civilly. And it's off to a great start. And congratulations. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Donnie. Now, Governor, how did you get top billing on this? I, I mean, you, you're obviously former governor, former uh, senator, former well, congressman. I also, got, I also got one more electoral vote than... Than Jordan got. <laughs> you know, most people don't know this, Donnie. I got an electoral vote from some guy from Texas, and somebody sent me a note. There have only been about 30 people in the history of the country, I'd have to look it up, who ever got even one electoral vote. That's amazing. So I've been bragging about it, and Jordan is like, yeah, he got one more than me. Yeah. And I think that's probably why, you know, it don't even count the fact that alphabetically my name comes first. And I, I would argue this is yet another argument against the electoral college process. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey guys, how did this come about? Because like, 
I'm a branding guy and I'd say, okay, let's put two guys together and Kasich and Klepper wouldn't be my top five thoughts. It just would not. How did this come about? Well, maybe, Donnie, that's why you haven't discovered a lot of great people because you're not <laughs> thinking right. You know, right. no, I mean, what happened was um, the decision was, you know, we should have a we should have a duo do this thing. And Jordan, and I got on the, the phone together and uh, people listened to us for a while. It was easy. It was fun. And they said, oh, that's this thing called chemistry. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and that's how it kind of where was the brain? Show? I mean, like I said, were you guys did you guys hang out together before this? Where, how did this come about? So I think like, I know I, from my end, uh, through our, through our agency, uh, United Talent Artists, they were like, Hey, you know, John Kasich is thinking about doing a podcast and I think you guys might kind of hit it off. And to be honest, I think both John and I weren't super into the idea of like, Oh, I, I don't want to do another podcast about the left versus the right. Let's sure, fight yeah. it out. And so yeah. I was like, well, let's, let's hop onto a lovely zoom meeting. And so we, we hopped on a call and frankly, we talked music the whole time. And so I think we both realized, it was like, oh, this was, this was fun. I was very surprised by what I heard from Governor Kasich. Like, we were, we were giving each other shit. We were, we were finding some, like, uh, commonalities in this musical world. And as we started talking more and more, we're like, you know what? Actually, there's so much, so much talk about how do we get people to come together, respect one another, have civil dialogue. We sort of stumbled onto it because we didn't start in the world of politics. We started completely different from a place of these things we loved. And we're like, well, that, that, like, that seems like that could be the podcast. What if we aren't approaching it from this political spectrum? Let's let's approach it from like cultural things that are interesting to us. We we're able to have fun conversations off of one another. We can rib each other. We can respect each other. And maybe then, if we stumble onto something a little bit more political, we have more open ears. And so so it really just started to to, to flow like that. Yeah, th- this shouldn't be a revolutionary concept, but in our media world, in our siloed, bespoke media world, it is, Governor. You're somebody who is is found their way around the middle. Obviously, you you were very outspoken against Trump. You were very outspoken against the state of the Republican Party. Um, how do we ever get to a place because of the way we consume media today? Because it's bespoke, and I'm going to find what I want to hear. That this country somehow lives more in the middle ground. Because in reality, I'm a believer that 90 percent of us have a lot more in common than don't. You know, it's I just completely a, agree. Like, with I, you, I really believe that. Um, I've told the story on the show before that I had once uh, made a, a Nazi reference to hit to um, about Trump and that uh, you have to take responsibility, blah, blah, blah. And so this guy writes to me, how dare you call him? Are you calling me a Nazi, you pussy? I, I mean, everything in the book. And I and he, I looked the guy up and I found out he was an ex-vet, he was a vet. And I wrote to him and I said, I'm so sorry. The last thing I wanted to do was offend you. I could see you served our country. We probably have more, your dad, we have more in common. Five texts later, we're calling each other brother. You know what I mean? And it's just, I, I believe that if most of us got in a room, you know, save the 10% crazies on both sides, but how do we get there? Because it, that's not the way people consume media anymore. Well, you know, I think when, when I, I this is it stuck in my head when you were just inter- asking a question to Jordan. For us, the question is, can we make the middle interesting? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right now, everybody wants to be on the extreme to get the attention. Can we have a show that catches on, that allows people to breathe? And, and we will have some political discussions. We talk about it from time to time. But the question is, can we be interesting enough to people that they say they want to tune in? And so I think it's, Donnie, I think it's on all of us who sort of exist. And when I say the middle, I'm not talking about the squishy middle. We got 
people on the left who want to destroy all the kind of the values that we've had in this country. They want revolution. People on the right want no change at all. Some of them, most people live in the middle We're we're we want to evolve, but we don't want a revolution, but we don't want no change. And so the question is, can we in the middle make it interestingly enough to try to become contagious with the way that other people do things? This is not something that Jordan and I've talked about, not anything that I've offered before, but I really believe this is the question. Can the middle, you know, the agreeable parts, the interesting parts be interestingly enough to attract an audience? Jordan, you, and, and for anybody that hasn't seen them, Jordan is, is kind of his, his trademark is he goes out into the world of Trump and interviews the, the most extreme Trumpists in, and lets them just show their folly. It's just, uh, Jordan, before we have, we're the first time we're meeting today, I've, I, I've watched every single one of them. I watched them over and over again. It's laugh out loud. Can you, there's nothing you're going to do with those people with, with a certain percent of the population at this point that's ever going to move. I, I, I mean, the things that come out of these fucking people's mouths and you're so brilliant at getting them. What have you, what beyond what I see on tape, what have you learned being out there that I wouldn't understand about what's going on in the minds of, of devout Trumpists who think January 6th was, was a walk in the park, so on and so forth, and think that Trump is still flying around running the country from Air Force One up there. I, I mean, it goes on and on and on. Well, here's what I empathize with. Uh, I think everyone wants uh, a sense of belonging and a sense of meaning. And I think if you go to a Trump rally, you immediately get that belonging taken care of. You're around and you, like-minded people, you have a place, and then you go see somebody who's from a place of importance who then gives you that meaning. You're not just showing up for a rally. You are a patriot. You are defending this country. And so it all it all appeals to things that I completely relate to. And when I go out and I have these conversations with folks and we get into to arguments, uh, I poke holes in some of the theories and, and the, the rational arguments that, that I see are then brought to people who maybe aren't used to getting a follow-up question. And and I think what I see is it's so much of this is is made on such paper thin um, arguments that Donald Trump is a king of throwing out a million different ideas that uh, all you have to do is grab onto one and throw that into an argument that you have and walk away because nobody ever is going to really really watch what that might mean about or a- ask that follow up question try to figure out really what is behind that argument and so as I start to talk to these people that stuff starts to crumble now what what you just described is. I've had lots of conversations with folks when the video gets turned off and they start talking to me a little bit more. Uh, and guess what? When they don't feel like they are overly challenged and that uh, everything they say is attached to their identity, and I think that's a huge part of what we are seeing out there. You're not just criticizing somebody's point of view. This is now their identity. Uh, MAGA yes. is more than a movement. It is a, it's a person now. And so, so you see it what's happening right now in Ukraine and it's, and it's horrific. And I went to CPAC recently and instead of engaging with like the horrors of war and what can Americans do to be empathetic toward what's happening and maybe even come together as a country to try to try to help these horrors, people are flailing around because they feel challenged. Like, Oh shoot, have I already agreed that I am, uh, I'm a MAGA person and Trump said he's a genius. And so I have to be pro Putin. You just see these, these minds just, just doing somersaults. And it's because, oh, you feel challenged as your identity and not challenging your ideas. And, and if, if, if it's all identity, you're never going to be able to find middle ground because middle ground is something you find with uh, points of view, not with your identity deep down. Donnie, let me, let me just say, say something here. There was a fascinating article about a QAnon supporter. And he has now escaped 
QAnon in his own mind, and I guess the way he operates online. But it has been a tough process for him to escape that. I'm not saying everybody who's a Trump person is a QAnon, but just talking about people who, as Jordan so applicably said here about, you know, about people, their identity gets tied up in stuff. So that take the QAnon people, you can yell at them and scream at them. And there are, I know people, my wife knows people who believe that, you know, JFK is going to be Trump's running mate. Right. And the family is, they're freaked out. Because they don't know what to do. Yelling at them, screaming at them, belittling them, it isn't going to work. So somehow families and friends have to be patient. That's the QAnon. With the Trump folks, uh, you know, some of them believe, as well, Jordan said it very well, some of them believe that the fate of the country depends on their standing tall because they see the values and whatever of the country eroding. It, they're like the last group, you know, to stand up. Uh, but some it's it's a sad story for many of them, and many of them are desperate. They don't know where to go. They don't have much money. Their kids are you know their kids got big problems. It's it's not something that just should be laughed at or dismissed. It's something that has to be listened to. The QAnon is a whole different thing than the Trump people, but the QAnon is really serious. I, I've always tried to it, succinctly get my arms around, okay, wh why does Donald Trump exist? What, 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 what nerve did he hit? And I still come back to the overwhelming majority of what Trumpism is about, and Trump has understood this, is that by the year 2040, this country is going to, white is going to be a minority in this country. And that when people feel that if they're, they're pro and this is historically what autocrats have done, it's not your, your problems are not your fault. It's the black person's fault. It's the, it's the Jews' fault. Yep. It's the media's fault. It's yep. the banker's fault. It's everything but you. And that's the nerve he hits on. And that's the essence of Trumpism. And it's no different than any autocratic playbook that has happened throughout history. Do you guys agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sell. It's a party of grievance. If you feel like you don't have what you need, uh, you don't have what you deserve, um, it's somebody else's fault. And let me... And let me contextualize that in a way that we can fight back. And so, you know, I'd like to not believe that uh, race is the defining characteristic of the people who are supporting Donald Trump. I don't think that is the case, but I think it's embedded in a lot of the, 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 the dog whistles that he speaks through and uh, the things that he sells at these, these rallies. And I think, like the governor said, you have a nation of people um, looking for a drill sergeant to tell them what to do. And if they can appeal to the grievances that you have, the things that you don't have, and they can pin it on somebody else, like, and you have a media ecosystem that is constantly feeding off that as well. If, if we can make it all about other, uh, that the things that you feel and the frustrations that you have are blamed somewhere else and that you are right and vindicated in your point of view, then, then yeah, then that's just a really dangerous ecosystem to be a part of. You know, Donnie, I think there's two kinds of populism. There's negative populism and positive populism. There's a element of populism in me. You've you know, you you and I have been together. You've heard me talk. Yes. You know, not favoring anything big, big government, big business, big anything. You know, that's populist in a way. The negative populist says, "Here's the problems," and by the way, it's somebody else's fault. The positive populist says, "Yeah, these are a set of problems, and we know they're serious, but let's work together and get you out of this ditch." So when you think about Youngstown, Ohio, which you know, think about this: Youngstown is now voting Republican. Can you believe that? Don't fall off your chair there, Donnie, but yeah. they're voting Republican. Yeah. Why? Because there's a lot of people up there, you know, the mills left, the people, 
don't have much. The schools are not very good. You know, the crime scene is bad. Instead of getting in there and saying, we can fix this and let's look at some of the bright things, you know, somebody who's, uh, uh, you know, who's who takes an outrageous position, blames it on somebody else. And I think you, you guys have both touched on it. I don't need to say much more than that. But there's nothing wrong with populism if it's a positive message that allows somebody to say, yeah, we can do this together and pull each other out of this problem. I want to do a little prognosticating here, prediction. Al Franken, who's been a guest on the show, who I'm a big fan of, uh, recently came out in the last few days and said, Trump's going to get reelected and it's the end of democracy as we know it. Where, if you guys were going to kind of just at this point handicap where we end up in 2024, because I get asked this 20 times a day, you know, is Trump going to run? Is he going to win? And if I was a betting man right now, I would probably probably line up with 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 the with the senator. And I'd love what both you guys think about it. If I put a gun to you, that's a bad expression, but gun to your head, you got to predict 2024. <laughs> uh, well, gun to my head or not, I I don't find a lot to disagree with there. I, I just went to CPAC and people are falling over, uh, you know, each other just to praise Donald Trump. He and, won the straw poll there by like 60%. I think DeSantis was at 21 or something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's he's just, there's not even anybody in the same universe. I, I yeah, I don't. I don't see a backbone that has stood up to that point of view that doesn't say that's not what the the mainstream part of that party looks like right now. And I do think, guess what? Like we we it's it's divided right now. If you turn on any news source, uh, most of the time, all I'm hearing about is how poorly Joe Biden is doing. And I think you, you see how quickly what, what, we rewritten. Why, why is it? I'd love to hear from both of you guys because if you're going to grade other than Afghanistan. If you're going to grade Biden, you know, he got, you know, he's gotten through, you know, $4 trillion worth of aid. Um, he, the country, the economy, I mean, right now the stock market in the last month or two has, has been soft, but the economy on every measure, obviously we're up against inflation at this point, but things and the war obviously is not his issue. Why does Biden not come across as more successful than he should. Why can't that message get out? Is it because he's coming, he's, he seems too elderly? I can't get my arms around it. Whereas the amount of people I talk to in New York, oh, Biden sucks, Biden sucks, Biden sucks. And he hasn't sucked. Look, I mean, he hasn't delivered what he said he was going to do. He's supposed to bring people together. He has not done that. And what do you, people care. Number one thing they care about is inflation. Yeah. So he says, well, the way to fix that is just spend more money. I mean, the people, he's not speaking to the issues that people care about. And he's, he doesn't speak as forcefully as he ought to. And, you know, this is, it's not reflected in my opinion. Just look at the polling and it'll tell you. Yeah. Why do you think the other day he kept started to talk, we need to fund the police? Because he knows that that idea of defunding the police is extremely unpopular. And he should have been out on this earlier. But the problem is, let me just let me just say this. Okay, Jordan, Jordan this is we can't can't wait to get in, but yeah. continue. Oh, governor. No, well, I'm just t- look. It's it's not a matter of of my opinion. It's a matter of what's going on in the country. The Democrats are going to lose. They're going to lose because the because they are they are out of touch with what people care about. Now, the Republicans have a great alternative. No, they they're not saying much of anything. They're following the old the old uh, political ploy of. We don't have to say anything. We just are against the other guy, which I find to be terrible. But, I mean, just look at the numbers. Look at what people feel. They don't feel safe. They don't feel secure. Uh, they worry about inflation. And that's kind of where it is. Jordan, I've been go. saying this for years. So. I, I mean, I, I disagree with the governor. I do think, uh, I do think 
Beat in politics used to be you do politics and then you govern. And I think there's only one party that's actually interested in the governing part. And yes, Joe Biden talked about bringing this country together. But when you look at uh, a default in unity, I think you have to look at the GOP. The majority of the GOP don't think Joe Biden's legitimately president. They won't even give him the honor of having the position that he holds. I go to CPAC and most people, when they talk about the war, they blame it on Joe Biden. And so I think it's a messaging issue right now when you say, why do people think Joe Biden isn't doing super well right now? Because you have an entire party who blames the weight of the world on Joe Biden. Uh, you have an entire media ecosystem that is uh, pointing everything at Joe Biden. You have, you know, you have Tucker Carlson. Most people are watching that person gin up hate and blame towards Joe Biden, who's in the difficult position of governing a broken country where half the folks don't want to work towards things getting better. They want to work towards winning, which involve things getting worse. And so I empathize for Joe Biden. I think he's, I see him, he's jumping in front of a bullet that's aimed at America's heart. And that poor guy is, is getting riddled right now, trying to protect this country. And and all we're doing is, is pointing blame. Sure, I wish he was more successful, but I don't think he's getting any help from the other side. And I and I think it's, I I wish there was better messaging from the Democratic point of view. Uh, but I, I think it's an unfair fight right now when you have half of this uh, political system, just the whole goal is to get him out and put somebody else in. And I fear for what happens when you put that person in again. I don't think Al Franken's that far off. Well, let, let me just say one, one thing, and I don't want to, this is what we kind of avoid on this because you can go back and forth all day long. I endorse the guy. I'm the only person you can think of in the world who both worked at Fox News and CNN and spoke at both a Republican and a Democrat convention. <laughs> and, and has an electoral vote. I'm disappointed in what Biden has done. He is not governing as I expected he would do. What should and he's he been captured. What, he's been captured what, by the left. Uh, and he, he should be and he should be bringing people together. I'm going to give you a perfect example, Donnie. Okay. He could have passed that infrastructure early on. If he had just gone to Republicans in the House, all he, he got 13 of them. All he needed was 20, but he wouldn't do that. He should have taken Build Back Better and broken it up into pieces. And they're spending money like there's nothing. And now he says, well, the way we're going to fix inflation is to spend more money. People, they're talking normal people in Youngstown. They don't believe that. And, 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 it's, and it's, a, it's a growing question, which I do not like about, you know, does he really get it? Well, I think he does. I think he's been been moved off where, look, I endorsed the guy because I thought we we were going to see moderation. And I'll tell you what, he will be a better president after 2022 because he will have to negotiate with the people that are there in the majorities. And CPAC, by the way, is a tiny little clique of people. That's not the Republican Party. It used to be a place where conservatives it's where the go. Ju- it's it- where the juice in the Republican Party is, though. I mean, it really is is the kind of the emotional. Donnie, I don't. I, I don't I, look. I mean, if you take a look just in the, the early primary elections, Trump's not getting what he wants. Trump's fading. Trump is not what he was a year ago, and oh, he's going to continue to fade. So I don't don't buy this that he's going to be the nominee, and I, I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't buy it. Not at this point. I mean, could it happen? Yeah, it could happen. If it happened, would it be good? No, it'd be terrible. But I'm not convinced it will happen. And every single day that passes, he's less relevant. I I don't disagree with I until recently in a month. And of course, there, by the way, you look at the polls and 56 percent of people used to identify as Trumpers versus a Republican Party at 38 percent. And that's flipped. So I hear what you're saying. But I just uh I'm I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Right, let's get off politics for a minute because I know politics is not the epicenter of your show. Uh, 
Governor, I think you're 69 and Jordan, you're 42. Um, where do we see the, if I was going to ask you, having done the show, you've only been doing the show for a couple of months now, a month or two now. Jordan, if I was going to say the biggest difference you see in the generations, just having done, and obviously your show is about similarity and where the circles overlap. But if you were going to just kind of just sum up and say, you know, I'm doing a show with this crotchety old guy here, and here, and here, here, here's the big difference between my generation. What generation are you at 42? I get confused. I, I'm right on the line. I think I'm somewhere between millennial and okay. X or Z. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm right at the cusp of millennial. But boy, I, I don't think I'm a millennial. So what? Have, what have you, early going? What have you learned as, as far as kind of lessons learned about here's where we're the same and here's where we're the, and I've just just two guys, obviously, and so it's hard to generalize that. But but something you've taken away in the first month or two. Well, first of all, uh, the the love of guitar music for old white men is still strong uh, <laughs> across all generations. Uh, older white men, whether they're 40 or in their 60s, they can, they can talk about the good old days of when rock and roll was rock and roll. So that, that brings me solace right now. I will say when I look at the government, uh, governor, one of the things I'm, I most respect, I think what we've just talked about, he did stand up. He, he, he decided not to follow where his party was, and he decided to follow his convictions the last elections. The thing I respect most uh, about the, the governor, and very little else. Um, <laughs> but I will say, I think there is a generational divide with faith in institutions. I think uh, the governor believes in certain strength of, of the American brand, American morality, and American institutions. And I think my generation, and definitely the generation below me uh, doesn't have that faith. I think they've been around long enough where they don't they don't see it as taking care of the issues that they have and they don't think um, politics politics moves as fast as the generations do. And so that is often where a lot of our uh, perhaps political disagreements uh, end up. Governor, what are you, what are the young punks where are they coming from that you just kind of say uh, this is there's there's a big divide here as much as kind of the generations are coming together they're just still pretty far yeah, apart. You know, I'm Donnie, I'm not I I toured, I don't know how many colleges, uh, you know, maybe I've spoken to 30 or 40 of them. I don't, I don't find any, any big problem. I, I don't. I mean, one of the things that the podcast has done is I've forced me to learn a lot about people that I didn't know about. It's been really interesting. Uh, I have no, I don't, I've enjoyed it. I've you learned enjoyed, a little bit about country music, huh? Well, I'm, I'm learning a lot about a lot of things. And I'm also beginning to realize that, you know, when you do get older, you have to make an effort to understand what's coming and, uh, you know, what's out there. Uh, you know, who are, who are some of the actors? What are, you know, when it comes to music, I know as much about, you know, music today, popular music today as, as anybody. I, I mm -hmm. know that. But I don't know all the things I would like to know about cinema. There's things I'd like to know about just sort of the pop culture. But I have a lot. I have young people that work around me every day, and so, you know, I I'm not finding any problem. I I don't see any real issue out there. And you know what I I think that young people what I believe is they're pretty respectful, and yeah. they want to hear. That doesn't mean they're going to agree with you. I mean they're they are concerned about you know, about the environment. They, they're concerned about experiences. They, you know, job and making money doesn't mean as much to them as the experiences that are connected to them. Um, so I just pay attention. I try to listen because if you don't listen, you don't pay attention, then you, you know, you are going to get old. And as um, somebody once told me, 
you're going to be young as the little boy inside of you doesn't die. Yeah. And I'm curious, and I don't even think of myself in terms of age. You know, I'm physically fit. I hang out at places where, you know, I'm with a lot of young people. I just, it's just life is good. I'm, it's, I'm a few years younger than you. I'm struggling a little bit. I, I feel young and I'm, you know, very active and all this stuff. But it, and Jordan, you don't have this problem yet. You start to do the math. And no matter how you slice it, you go, how many great years do I have left? Great where you can still physically do what you want to do and whatnot. And it's sobering. You seem to have a much better handle on this aging thing than, than I do. I'm, I'm, I'm not comfortable with it. I, I don't, I, I feel like more, there's more, a lot more stuff behind me than in front of me. And I haven't emotionally kind of uh, conquered that, that liability at this point. Well, for me, I, I look, first of all, my personal faith means a lot to me. Uh, I know that uh, I'm going to leave this earth, but I also know that I'm going to have a life after this earth, and that's important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, Donnie, I just don't go there. I mean, I, I don't, there's some things I don't do as well as I used to, but I just don't think much about it. Today's today. I don't try to project into the future. I mean, the best way to live your life is not to to have a remote that has you in in reverse or one that has you in fast forward, you, you use a remote that keeps you in the present. And so I, I don't too, I'm not too bothered by the fact that, you know, I'm getting older. I can't stop it, you know? Yeah. And, and the funny thing is even people who are younger, like Jordan, his day's coming, you know, <laughs> tomorrow he's a day older. I mean, this is, this just life, but I do spend a significant amount of time trying to be connected uh, with the big guy, and I fail constantly, but it's an important part of what I think about who I am and a lot of who a lot of my friends are. Good, good lessons for the two Jews here, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think about death more than uh, Governor Kasich does uh, uh, thoroughly. Um, I have gout now. I'm a 42 year old man with gout. Jesus, that's the not former, very shake. Wow. No, yeah, it's the former disease of kings. So I'm diagnosed yes. with privilege, <laughs> and I'm hobbling around with that, confronting my decaying body day what, in and what day is, out. What is gout actually? What what is it? Gout is like extreme uh, arthritis. Essentially, you get Jesus you, you eat, at 42. You, what the fuck? At, at 42, I got kidneys that aren't working super well. So what right. ends up, I get crystals in my feet and I hobble around like an old man. So are you, are I you have married? to confront it. I am married. You- I'm married with a, a lovely little kid. And I think when you uh, have a kid, you are also confronted with like, yeah. my only job as a parent is to stay alive because yeah. I have to provide. I want to be a good father. And I, I'm an atheist. So this is all I got. I, yeah. I, I got to make good use of this yeah. time that I am here. Uh, I will say I find my, uh, although I do find my calm doing the opposite of thinking about death. It's The Stokes would call it memento mori, but it, wake up each day, contemplate what if this is the last, and then focus on it. You realize, dear God, I'm spending my time talking to Governor Kasich about Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? So you're an atheist. So does I, 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 we throw words around a lot, you know, and... What, what does that, that mean you don't have faith in a higher being? What, what exactly does that mean being an atheist? Because it sounds like pretty much the opposite of the governor. Well, I, I would say if we're being technical, I'm probably an agnostic. I think an atheist probably shows uh, more certainty that there isn't a God. I think an agnostic right. is somebody who hasn't, doesn't believe in it because he doesn't see necessarily proof of that. Yeah. Um, uh, but is, I'm, I'm open to be swayed. And so as somebody who is, I, I grew up in, somewhat of a Christian family, a little bit lapsed. We would go to church every now and then. Um, 
but I have I have some issues with institutional uh, religion, and it never really did anything for me. And so, sort of being an agnostic has forced me to find sort of spirituality in other things. I find it in music. I find it in philosophy. I find it in children. And I think I. I I might not be reading the Bible, but I'm 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 looking towards other larger texts to sort of help me stay present. And I think that is sort of the the benefit of atheism or ag- agnosticism is, you know, this is what you have. It's a gift to have this this time here on Earth and and make take advantage of it wherever you can because there might not be anything beyond it. So that's sort of sort of what pushes me. Well, so, so Don, before we leave this subject, let me let me say that Jordan's now moved from atheist to agnostic. <laughs> this okay. is all happened okay, within right. the last month. <laughs> Secondly, though, you know, having faith, and by the way, as you know, Donnie, the, the, the Bible is divided into two parts. You know, there's an old part and a new part, right. and they took it and they put it together. And the old part was like the history of the Israelites and, and King David, you know, was a Jew, as we know. And... Uh, you know, the 23rd Psalm is really interesting because the 23rd Psalm is about, you know, I will, it goes on to talk about his future. And in fact, when his, when his son dies, the first son uh, that he had with Bathsheba is really interesting because while the son is dying, the little baby is dying, he prays and he doesn't eat and he doesn't wash. And then when the son dies, they, his, his people around him say to him, well, why are you eating and washing and everything? He said, well, I prayed and I asked God to spare him, but now he's gone and I know I'll see him again, which is really powerful for Mm -hmm. those. But but faith is not about how many times I go to church, how many times I cross myself. It's part of it. I agree. But faith is just having uh, the humble notion that, um, you know, that there's some somebody greater than me that created me that's given me so much and that I need to be grateful and try to follow, you know, what that what our creator has presented to us. And I find it to be, uh, you know, a source of comfort. I don't do it because I'm uncomfortable. Uh, I found it and I've spent, you know, 1987 till today studying all this. And it's very meaningful to me. And I talk to young people about it on college campuses. And I, I say why it's important to me. And, and finally, it's, it's, it's really about what connects us, not, not what tears us apart. Did you start in 87? Because I, I know you tragically lost your, your parents in a well, car accident. Well, at that point, that, yeah. I said, you know, my parents are slaughtered by a drunk driver. And I say to myself, do I even believe in God? And where the hell is God? And what's the story? And I started from ground zero. Is there really a God? Why do I believe there is? And so I spent it's 1987. That's 13 years and 22. What is that? 35 uh, years. You know, yeah. And and I've spent a lot of time on it. And and I didn't believe these things because somebody told me to believe them. Uh, you know, there's a book called The Evidence Demands a Verdict. And when I think about it, it all makes sense to me. But we all have our doubts. You know, faith is a tough thing. It's it's believing in something that you can't see. Um, but I look at my life and I just know it didn't happen because of my my brains, my looks, or anything else. I think God's had a purpose for me. And I often think, Donnie and and Jordan, I've I've never really said this on the air before. I think one of the things that happened is when I became governor and I expanded Medicaid and provided health care for over a half a million Ohioans, I think maybe that's part of the reason why I was ever in politics or was successful, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I could help 
over a half a million people to get something they didn't have. Yeah. And I often think, well, maybe that's what was behind his his idea that I could have success in this business. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, anyway, I don't like to shove in my, my thoughts on anybody no, else, but I, I'm always willing to talk about it and think about it. And I, um, I share your view on faith. I find the rituals of religion a little ridiculous because that means one is right and the other is wrong. Like, and I, I know Jewish guys who who do everything and go to Sabbath and this, and they're the biggest scumbags in the world. And then, <laughs> and and my dad, who's the best Jew I ever met, hadn't been in a temple since I was thirteen years old because he was a man of principle and honesty and decency. And and so I, I believe in the greater being. I think the I think the, a lot of the ritual stuff is what separates all of us. Guys, the final question I want to ask you guys is because this show is about branding, and we, we touched on it at the beginning. But if I was going to ask each of you to describe the Kasich Klepper brand, the essence of the brand of this new juggernaut podcast. Jordan, what what, what is the brand <laughs> essence? The essence, uh, I would say it's 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 musky with uh, <laughs> hints of cinnamon and whatever deciduous trees grow in the Midwest right. um, uh, or coniferous trees. I need to do my research on right. that. Uh, <laughs> I think. What's I the, think the what's the brand think, mission? What's the what's the brand mission? I th- I think it is. It's 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 two people from different spots in their lives, different sides of the political spectrum, decide to meet somewhere completely far off from the whole political world and realize they're humans before they try to destroy that other human 20 minutes later. Governor? Donnie, to me, it's fun. It's a, it's fun and interesting. We have fun when we do it. We have fun with each other. And, uh, and it's very interesting. You know, we just we, we just had a, a segment on, on investing. People would say, well, who's going to listen to somebody but, you know, it's helpful to people. You know, Margot Price and what she's had to say about country music. We're going to have Stevie Van Zandt. I hope we're going to have- I had have, Stevie uh, on. He was great. He was great. Yeah, I hope <laughs> we're going to have Dave Grohl. I've been searching for right. him with a pack of dogs trying to find him, but I'm ready to you know, start my, my, listening to My advice else. to booking, and somebody gave this to me when probably just book people you're interested in. Don't worry about an audience. Don't worry. If you want to yeah. talk to them, and, because it'll show. And if, you know, the one or two shows I've done where people talk me into- having people on, it, it's just not as good. So, I mean, my only advice has been doing this for about a year with some degree of success is just find people you want to talk to and the rest will take yeah. care of itself. Well, I think it's fun and I think it's something that it's easy for people to listen to and it's a break from the tension and the fighting and all the stuff that's out there. I think it could give people a chance to relax and enjoy themselves and think. Governor John Kasich, thank you for all the great work you've done for our country. You are a great statesman, and I, I wish we had more guys in charge like you. Jordan Klepper, you do not have that gravitas. I, I cannot salute you the same way, but you it's are tough. one of the most talented guys around today, and I challenge everybody to go watch your stuff and on he the is. show. It's and by the way, he is talented and smart and well-read. Yeah. And a great guy. And, and I'm a big fan of both of you guys. I genuinely was really excited to have you on both today. The podcast, you can get it anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Kasich and Klepper. It is must-see podcast. Guys, I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Thank you, sir. Keep up all the good work. All right, I hope you enjoyed our interview. Uh, I got a kick out of those two guys. Kasich's great. Uh, we, we need guys like Kasich actually in office. Uh, next week, I'm going to have Jamel Hill on. Jamel uh, was ESPN, uh, one of the voices of ESPN for years. Uh, controversial figure. Um one that as speaks her mind. Uh, she's now a writer for the columnist for the Atlantic. Uh, super bright, super uh, provocative in the 
good sense of the word. I think she's fantastic. And I think you're going to really enjoy my interview. Have a great week. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get podcasts, Apple, Spotify, any place else. We'd love when you review us and rate us and subscribe. And you can watch our videos on YouTube. Uh, and please subscribe there also and give us your comments. Have a great week. We'll see you next week on Our Breath. Hi, this is Jim Jeffries. I have a podcast out called I Don't Know About That. Each episode is a different subject. We bring an expert on and I say everything I think I know about that subject and then they correct me. Join in, listen to the podcast, you'll have a laugh and you might learn something. Follow, rate and review I Don't Know About That with Jim Jeffries. Now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. You can also catch video releases each week on YouTube.